This is Westside Barbell with strength and conditioning legend, Louis Simmons. Westsidebarbell.com, the strongest website in the world. Welcome to the Westside Barbell podcast. Today's topic is the weaknesses of a weightlifter. We're joined here today with Clay Scott from Queensland, who is an Olympic lifter and a powerlifter. And of course, Louis Simmons is here. Louis, let's uh, start off with uh, your assessment of a, um, an Olympic lifter that came down uh, to assess his weaknesses and strength. Yes, uh, you know, Mike Bergner um, out in California sent uh, him here. And for me to evaluate him, we had him here for over a, about a month. This actually went over through a three-week pendulum weight. You know, and after having uh, him come here and spend three weeks uh, through the pendulum weights, um, I found out what he lacks, lacks a base. Now, now, Clay, you know, you did some workouts today, and you, you kind of found out that you lack a base as well, right? Yeah, um, sure. uh, my main concern is they cannot squat. This is what's killing Olympic weightlifters in, in America, for sure. Uh, this young man broke both his, uh, while he was here, he broke his overhead, and he broke his front squat record, but after cleaning two records, he could not recover from the clean. Um, this, is, this is common. Tom, you've probably seen this 20, 20 times. Mm-hmm. I mean, over and over and over, they come here, and by putting attaching bands to the bar and working up, taking off the bands, they'll break their record. And um, but then uh, nine times out of ten, they cannot recover out of a deep squat. They cannot stand up. Now you, and um, so, and they squat how many times? A lot of them squat three, and they say, "Oh, we squat five times a week." Well, they can't squat. Yeah, three to four. Then... That's right. It's ridiculous. This is just it's just um, bad training. You know, when when like when we want to increase the squat, um, we don't do more more squatting. What we do. Um, we, we increase our lower back strength, hamstrings, and glutes because that's what squats. Your quadriceps don't squat. Stand up for me, please, and do a leg extension. It's impossible. Everybody's got those big quadriceps. They're worthless. <laughs> it's just the nature of the sport. A bar is held in front of you like a bodybuilder doing front squats. You develop large quads, which is good. You know, it's great to have big quads, but they've got no glutes, no hamstrings because when you squat down in that method, you roll your hamstrings and your hips towards your ankles, take the pressure off the hamstrings and glutes. So that's the whole problem. But this young man, he came here. He had a 300 clean when he came here. Um, here he made three, uh, just for instance, three five and three ten easy. I mean, I, you know, he could do quite a bit more, but he cannot recover from those weights. Um, and so I, again, I realized right away they lacked a squat. Uh, in the you know in the morning he would um, he would do the workout like we do. The you know he he do his squats and pulls. He's actually doing um, 25 squats like we do. And at, at um, you know, um, if he used bands tension, he used 50, 55, and 60 with 25% band tension. Or if it was weight, we rotated back and forth. It was 75, 80, and 85%. So he did the same workout that we did, and that brought his squat up. All, all nature, actually, is, is at the end, his back squat went from 360 to 425, all right, at the very end. And I, I haven't got any feedback from him now that he's left. Um, but th- this is just part of the problem. But then on the evening, we would go back and do a second workout. One thing we do is low box squats to a 10-inch box, you know, box, sit on the box, relax the hips like we do, and stand up. He had a very hard time using uh, five sets of five with 240 pounds. To me, this is very disturbing. I mean, I've got 123 women that can, would just kill this stuff. I mean, they're using 290 for five sets of five and, and, and uh, but stuff like that. But, um, and then I wanted to test his back strength, so I had to do March back good morning. And so we worked up, uh, he worked up to a hard 200 pound arch back good morning for five. We jumped 20 pounds 
and it was a complete failure. He actually fell down into a full squat. I've never seen Tom. You've seen people dump a bar over your head, but I've never seen anyone totally collapse the lower back and sink down into a squat. Um, that's how weak his lower back was. This, to me, this is very unacceptable. The good mornings must be done. Because when you Olympic lift, you need to keep your shoulders over the bar as far as possible. That's something he couldn't do. Um, so that's why we were pushing the, the good morning. And, and he started making immediate progress, um, you know, right as he was leaving out of here. Um, and also, in the snatch grip deadlift, he, made, he, he could only do 335 pounds. This, this is a 180-pound uh, you know, kid, uh, too tall, too tall for the weight class. Um, but uh, again, I mean, I have 123 girls that can do more than that snatch grip deadlift with an arch back. So this, this, is, uh, this is the problem. Weightlifting is not all speed. It's also strength. Strength's more important than speed. Well, you have to be strong. Sean say without strength. That's right. It's not. If, if strength was didn't matter, you wouldn't have weight classes. You wouldn't need weight classes. Um, so you know, the, one of the problems was even breaking his record. His front squat was only three forty. So you're talking that he's only he only had a front squat of thirty pounds more than he could clean. Now I know Nam Suleiman had um, a four uh, five twenty five five twenty eight front squat with a four thirty five clean to one thirty twos. Um, I'll talk a lot later. Christoph from Bulgaria years ago. I, I know I knew a guy roomed with him. Um, he had a 749 front squat and a 854 back squat. He snatched 473. Uh, bring up you're talking about some uh, of the Chinese. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Luz Yajun, um, you know, a 77 kilo uh, weightlifter. Um, you know, high bar back squat's 300 kilo. You know, with a, um, well, I don't know the exact, maybe a 205 clean and jerk. Right. Yeah, so, you know, a back squat 100 kilo nearly. Clean and jerk. So you look at the ratio of the of the, of the squat and and the clean. It's it's a tremendous uh, a differential there because. But in America they don't have the differential. Um, Ilya Lyon, Kazakhstan. Um, you know, there's a two. He's got the world record for the two forty two, I believe. Uh, sorry, uh, hundred hundred five with a two forty two kilo clean jerk, but front squat's three hundred. Mm -hmm. you know, quite easily. You know, you got to be brutally strong and. But uh, it's but in the right places. So um, anyhow, you know when um, when the, when the lifter was here, when he come out of the squat, he'd round over. Now you've you found the same thing, right? You round right. over, and that's what caused your squat. It's not your legs giving out; it's your back giving out. And a lot of things with him, he wasn't taught to. Uh, he was taught to suck his abs in. You must push your abs out, uh, like that's what gets away they built if you're wearing one. But not push your abs out in the front and the sides. It's like if you took the tire air out of a tire, you're not going to go anywhere. If you feel that you know inflate the tire proper pre tire pressure, you're going to handle heavy loads. So, um, you know, I've talked to coaches about this, and I, and I and by watching Andrew, I, I watched Andrew, and I've got a lot of books on Olympic weightlifting, the top lifters in the world, and how they do it. And so I talked about it, and a lot of coaches say that the legs are responsible for most of the lifting, and I've always thought this can't be correct. And when I, when I watched uh, him do his clean and jerk and snatch, he was almost vertical with his back. Uh, and this, of course, places a lot of, um, of the weight on the legs, like they're saying. But first, um, not one elliptic lifter has a squat in proportion like we're talking about to their clean and jerks. So I, I, got, to thinking, I got to thinking about this, and um, it's reminding me of a good friend of mine who used to be a, a power lifter. And he could deadlift around 770 pounds. And he called me all the time, and he, and he told me one day, he says, hey, Lou, he says, I like to power clean. Is it okay if I power clean after I uh, do, my, my, do my deadlifts? I, I like to power clean. He told me I could power clean four or five to one to, one to three reps. 
I go, well, sure. I said, when I, before I broke my back and I, I, I actually could, could flex it, I used to power clean too after my daily program. You know, it's back in the 70s. And so anyhow, about a year, year and a half goes by and the same lifter calls me on the phone. He had switched to Olympic weightlifting. He calls me up and he goes, hey, Lou, I got a problem. I, I go, well, what is it? He goes, I can't power clean four or five no more. What do you think it is? Because you, your, your back got weak. How could you, now you perform it, you're actually in a sport, but you can't power clean four or five, when before you're in another sport and you do it for three reps. So it's obvious. So I said your back got weak and, uh, and it made me get to thinking about this lifter when I watched him. It, was, it just all came to me at the same time watching him do his cleans and his snatches. And so what I did, I went home and I reviewed one of my books, uh, the technique. Um, I think Roman uh, has a book, on, that's just one of them I looked at, but technique when the clean jerk and snatch. And, and I looked at him, and in this book, it's about, you know, technique of some of the greatest lifters ever. Uh, Carenzo, middleweight, Russian years ago. Alexis, of course. Rigger, and by the way, Rigger can squat 675 for 10 reps, reportedly. Bazanowski, who I saw here in Columbus at 148, is 1968 Olympic champ, world champ. Um, I watched him do back raises with 100 kilos for fives. All the way down, a big arch up at 148. Um, and then um, Kulif. And then Kristoff, which I talked about the Bulgarian years ago, back in the 80s, had a 749 front squat and 854 back. But after reviewing these men and the clean and jerks they were doing, um, it, it came to me they relied heavily on their back muscles. They are completely inclined forward. The barbell is always, you know, your shoulders must be over the barbell, not vertical like this in that sport. We are vertical. We try to get vertical as fast as we can for the deadlift, but not to clean. Um, so uh, this is where I, I realized, and um, uh, there's a Bulgarian actually in there. It's, it's a bad example, but maybe it's a good example because world record holder, uh, Mikov uh, from Bulgaria. He's 165, he's a world record, and he pulls up a bent back, a bent back. Now we deadlift a bent back sometimes, conventional style, to shorten the leverage, make our leverage better. But he had the highest velocity of all the 165 pounders in the clean. Um, and this, how did he do this call for tremendous back strain? Because as the bar got higher, his back would straighten, as well as his, his knees and hips, his back also straightened. That's where he got this tremendous velocity. Um, you know, so, <clears throat> it, it, you know, but, it, but, uh, but you gotta, gotta actually, uh, you know, trans, uh, translate these books and put them in English. But if you look at that book and you look at their back positions, then you go to American weightlifters and look at their back positions, you see a tremendous difference in their technique. And it dawned on me, this is why American coaches think the legs are so important, because they use their legs. But they're taking the back out of the picture. That's why, I mean, I've seen so many, you were talking about the Chinese, and I've seen lots of videos on Chinese wrestlers. Their back muscles are phenomenal. Um, you know, the I think it's uh, who you're talking about, Lou. Yeah, uh, Lou Snatch grip deadlifts is way over 600 pounds. Mm. They round their back. If you talk, if you look at what Coach Fang says about the front squat, they front squat uh, with incline forward because you're going to get inclined forward sometimes with heavy cleans. But here in America, everything's perfect. You make it a small, um, you know, uh, uh, error in clean or technique, they miss. Mm. They cannot fight through anything. And that's why they concentrate too much on the legs. They squat three or five times a week, and they can't squat. I've never had an Olympic lifter come here. They can't squat, not one. Well, just off the top of my head, I think Klokov, you know, he's probably he does get a very sort of forward lean, and he's coming out of the of the clean, like in his front squat. Yeah, because it takes your back. Your back gives out, Tom. 
I mean, uh, well, we'll get into this. But like I said in the very beginning, if our lifters want a bigger squat, they don't squat. They do more hamstring, glute, and hip work. Specialized exercises. You have to isolate the weakness. That's exactly right. It's like, as you said, it's like a chain. If um, you train a compound movement, it's like training a chain, but the weakest link is always going to break, so you got to strengthen up that one weak link. Mm-hmm. Um, so how would you calculate volume for, for the squat for the Olympic lift? Well, if you want anyone's uh, lift, this is how you calculate volume. If I took, if, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go down with some reasonable numbers for Olympic lifters. 400-pound squat. Uh, basically, we, all, we do 25, but I calculated the books to make it easy. Um, they would do tw- uh, 12 doubles, or you could do four, um, six sets of four. The Chinese train just like us. Their average weight is 80%. Ours is 80, 75, 80, and 85. And they do 25 squats, exactly the same as us. Um, so, But if you add up 200 times 24, it's 4,800 pounds of work. All right? And then, um, if, and then if, so the next week you jump 5%, which is 220 for the 24. And then on the third week wave, they do 240 for 10 sets, you know, for 20 lifts. That's 4,800 pounds. So see, it's flat loading, but that's what it takes. But on top of that, you have to add 3,400 pounds of band tension. So really, you know, you're doing, a, 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 even a 400-pound squatter is doing 8,200 pounds of work. And on top of that, the reverse hypers uh, is four times the volume of your squat. Uh, you did reverse hypers. It isolates the lumbar region, the, uh, the glutes, uh, the hamstrings, right? Oh, very that's much a, so. That's right. It's essential. So see, we isolate all those areas. Like a 500-pound squatter, same thing. Uh, be 250, see 50%. 50, first week, 250, 275, 300. So, you know, it's 24 lists, 24 lists, 20 lists. Again, now you look at 6,000 pounds of work. So if you look, if they jump 100 pounds, which is a lot, but your volume would go up uh, 1,200 pounds. For every 50 pounds um, uh, squat, if you go from 4 to 450, your volume jumps up 600 pounds. All right? So anyone can accomplish that. Uh, and uh, a 600-pound squatter does 7,200 pounds of work. Again, 300, next week 330, then 360. You know, it's um, 12 doubles, 12 doubles, 10 doubles, or 20 lifts, 24, 24, 20. And that's 7,200 plus the 3,400 pounds of band tension that you apply to the bar, about 25%. And so that would take it up to 10,6. And we were looking, I, I, we just did the volume for a, if you got a strong Olympic weightlifter, 700 pound squat, um, that's 590, that's 14, because you mentioned that people don't think we're doing volume. This is only 20% of our volume. Barbell's 20%. 14,800 pounds, 700, uh, 14,875 pounds of squat volume. A 600-pound deadlift would be 12,750. That's a total of 27,625 pounds of volume. That's only 20% of our training on that day. I mean, you saw how fast we trained. We trained fast. Yes. And um, so, see, that's so. If you take eighty percent of that, you see what kind of a volume we've got here. Tremendous amount of volume. So, but this is the key: uh, pushing up the volume in all sports. You must. The Russians must push up the volume. I talked about Leonard Zatsatinsky before in a book I wrote, and and it's uh, you know, it's in uh, several books, like the Mansion, or I mean, it's in the Fundamental Space of Strength, I believe, where um, Leonard had gone. You know, he's Olympic champ, in 60, 64, world champ. And all of a sudden, he started to go backwards, and they couldn't understand why. No physical ailment, no mental ailment, no nothing. They got in his logbook, and his volume had slightly gone down, and the average, his intensity, his average weight for you know single weights had gone down somewhat, a few percents. They took it back where it used to be and went right back to breaking records. So you see, that's how important uh, volume and intensities are. You must follow these, these uh, 
these percentages, 75, 80, 85, just like the Chinese, just like we, I mean, uh, I'm not in China, China's not over here. Why do we do this? The force velocity curve. This is the weights that match that perfectly. Force equals mass times acceleration. That's why you have to do this. Will this work with straight weight with no bands over the bar? It will, but it's not as good. Yeah. Because, but you use 75, 80, and 85%. This came from A.S. Perlipin, who was a, a, the junior uh, Olympic coach in Russia from 75 to 80, and, uh, and the senior coach from 80 to 85. He had some of the stronger lifters that ever lived. Um, he came up with these recommendations by training all these top lifters. All right? And if, if you look in there, I mean, no one ever considers at 70% weight, six reps, 80% four. Now, we wear breeches, that's why we do five, but the Chinese do five. You know, they maintain some muscle tension with doing the extra rep. So, that answer your question on that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, see, you need accommodating resistance. Now, I've heard a lot of people, and you have too, Tom, especially it comes to the Olympic community, because a lot of powerlifters do this, and a lot of sports use bands. They say you don't need accommodating resistance. Then all these people out there, I want to ask you a question. Why does your car have five and six and seven speed transmissions? Is it that accommodating resistance? Of course it is. You know, guys, look in the physics books. Uh, try to apply some physics to your training. Anything in motion has to, uh, mo then physics is applied. That's Newton's laws of motion, right? Mm. Yeah. So you got to think a little bit outside the box if you want to excel at something. Uh, in the squad alone, males only, we've had six over, um, uh, we had six men break world records, many of them several times. All right, we've also had two, uh, we have right now the greatest pound for pound squad in the world, and we and he broke my other guy that the greatest pound for pound squad in the world. And they did it all by doing the box squats. And you know, we could get in and you can ask me, if you want to ask me why we box squat, box squats as far as superior to any other squatting. So why would I waste my time doing the regular squat when a box squat will make me stronger? We go from box squat straight to a meet and break world records. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is, yeah, why, why would a weightlifter um, go away from the typical high bar back squat very much upright yeah, to a box squat? Yeah. Well, you notice, did you notice my guys on the other side does squat that we all use a high bar, if you want to call it a high bar. They don't yeah. carry a bar down their back. Yeah, well, that's the first thing you said Yes, uh, No, sorry, not yesterday. Uh, Wednesday when I maxed out low bar, you said, you know, put it up on the traps. And, right. Yeah. Um, one, and I took your stance out. You got sore muscles you never used, right? Yeah, right? If you use a close stance over and over and over, you're going to use some muscles and neglect a lot of other muscles. You can't, if you, I, I believe Quint, John Quint said you got 640 muscles in the body. You need to use them all, not half of them. That doesn't make any sense. And you, you can squat more wider, and so, uh, but that's one thing, but the key here, if you look at the Chinese, especially their women, took their stance out and their grip out. Why do they do that? Biomechanics, physics. Hey, lift the weight, less less distance. Doesn't make any sense to keep your feet in there. So if that was the way you would squat, see world records in a squat was squat like that, but all world records in a squat squat wide. And if you're flexible, you can squat deep like that. You can squat wider and deeper on a box than you'll ever squat without a box. If I take you real wide, you're not gonna sink down into, I can get you down to probably eight inch box. You won't go that wide if I if you don't have the box under you. No, there's no way. But you got that box, you'll go down, you relax and flex off there. Relax, over, relax, overcome by dynamic motion. And some of the muscles are statically, so it's static overcome by dynamic. And those are two of the greatest methods of strength training known to mankind. Box squats provide them both. And uh, people don't understand, they, they watch box squats and they just, they just watch them and most people got bad form. You actually did pretty good today. Okay, 
But when you box squat, when you full squat, you push your into your feet off through the ground to raise yourself. That's incorrect. You should push your hips down if the force goes downward from your hips down into the ground. And that's why box squatting is a superior method to squat. Um, also on that, like a big word surrounding um, Olympic weightlifting is mobility. So would box squatting help with general mobility? I, what I just say? Sure. You, you would not be able, if I took your stance out, you wouldn't be able to squat that deep. But you can sit down on a box with that box down there. Yeah. And see, then you break up the squat. You break up the eccentric, concentric portions of the squat. So I can get you down into the squat, even improperly. You readjust and come up properly. Yeah. So does that make sense? That's right. That's you know, I watch a lot of people. Um, that Here in America, Olympic weightlifters never pull standing on a box. It's quite common overseas. And that, but if you see powerlifters here, Tom, you notice everybody, until I yell at them, they want to, they'll end up doing stiff leg off the box, right? But you stand on the box to prolong leg drive. That's why Olympic lifters need to do it. I mean, you do need to train your legs, there's no doubt, you know. But see, it's the hamstrings, glutes, and hips that you got to build. So, uh, you got another question? Uh, yes. So, what are you looking for? Uh, oh. Sorry. I want to go why it's fresh in my feeble mind. <laughs> Why I said, I realized why we're not very good at Olympic weightlifting, but everybody talks technique. When I saw this lifter pull straight up and down, and Tom, you've seen, as you see, I don't know if you pay attention, but it pulls straight up and down. You have to be inclined, like I said. That's why they rely on their legs, but your legs are not the main mover of, of a weightlifter. Why, why do weightlifters have traps up to their ears? Why do they got spinal rectors six inches deep? Oh, well, like I was saying before, before the podcast, you know, there's that photo on social media of Lu Jun doing the rear delt flies and just the photo is back and there's the rectors and it's... There's a, and there's a million of them like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, monkey see, monkey too. I'm, I'm not very bright, but I'm, I can look at a picture and figure it out. <laughs> Even in Chinese. I can look at a Chinese picture and figure it out what it's saying. Yeah, so... um. But you know, back to this technique, see, Roman... He, he spent, uh, you know, two and three hours on each section of the clean to determine how these lifters did. And so if you happen to get that book, The Technique for the Clean Jerk and Snatch, uh, that's just one. I got a few, but uh, by Roman. You're going to look at these pictures and all your Olympic weightlifters, go home, uh, get a camera, and look at your pole, and you're going to see that you're not utilizing your back muscles. You need to use them both. You got two accelerations, leg acceleration and back acceleration. You must train them both and increase them both. Well, honestly, um, from my experience of, of what I've seen for um, the, the main reason of people missing back home is, um, is the bar going forward, which, which to me uh, only means sort of weakness through the posterior. They can't control the bar. They, they don't sit back in the heels because it's just too heavy for them. You know, during that phase of when the bar is at the knee, they're not sitting back in the heel. And so when it comes to extension, that the bar is just not in the right path. You talk about the second pull. They can't even get to a position in that second pull that's strong. Right, because they can't bring their hips forward. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Did you? We just looked in the practice science and strength training about the relationship between force and posture, and at the top of the second pull, that's where force diminishes. That's another reason you had to put bands over the bar. But you're absolutely right. See, you have to have extremely strong hips there. But no one, I've never, I've never heard anyone in Olympics talk about strong hips. Box squats build what, Tom? Strong hips. I mean, your hips get outrageous. You saw the track girls, see how big her hip flexors are? That's mm -hmm. you, 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 you kind of got humbled in the hamstring exercise. <laughs> we'll talk about that in just a moment. 
Um, again, I'm going to go here. So, you know, so I find out, you know, so if you're going to build a squat, how do you get it? you got to stop squatting four and five times a week. It doesn't make any sense because you guys can't squat. Um, you got to start training uh, the squat properly, and that means you got to build it in sections, back extensions, you know, with back raises, reverse hypers, um, so static holds at the top with reverse hypers or even back raise because your back has to be held statically and in a super arched position. Uh, arch back good mornings uh, with a two or three second hold in the bottom position. Um, and also hook bands over the bar in the front. So when you do, it accommodates resistance, very hard to top. And at the top, uh, depending if you keep your feet flat or come on your toes, at the top, do just that. And um, that's pretty much in the bars, the bands are in the front. We squat like that a lot too. So, um, and, and then, um, so knee extension, you got to work. There's a lot of things. Cat and glute raises, inverse curl, and would turn into a Russian leg curl like you saw the girl do. And I mean, you know, she's, I mean, she's not, no comparison to my guys. And then um, band leg curls, we do a couple hundred a day. Um, ankle weight leg curls, again, 200. It's either band or ankles. Um, standing leg curl, um, well, on a standing leg curl machine. And, um, you know, so what you do, you pick two or three, or even a, a regular leg curl, standard leg curl. But you pick two or three hamstring exercises and you'll push them as hard as you can for a week or two and rotate to another. But you've got to train the hamstrings. Um, I had a female lifter here. Now she was a track athlete and turned power lifter. Uh, she was a specialized in a 100, 200 meter race. She ran for Ohio State and Athletes West, so she was high, high skilled. Went to powerlifting, deadlifted 534 at 163, and the world record holder in the squat. This is back in the 90s. They took her to Ohio State test her hamstring quad ratio. Her hamstring for 60, her quad for 40. All right, now normally you it's 40 hamstring, 60 quad. It's the highest it's ever been registered. Paul Dickman told me he saw 5149. Um, a lot of injuries come by bilateral deficits. If your hamstrings are 8% off from one to another, you will have a leg injury. All right, and if you don't have that 60 40 ratio, you're going to have a leg injury. So, see, I, have, I mean, Olympic lifters don't have that. That's why they that's why they don't have these squads. You know, for the hips, belt, oh, here we go. Um, well, you did the you did the um, um, you did the inverse curl, mm. and you had to use ninety pounds, right? Yes. Yeah. And the girl used no weight, <laughs> and she's just flying them up like nothing. So see, what that that's an evaluator. I know right away your hamstrings are weak. See, I need to bring your hamstrings. If you spent six months here, we right off we'll push your hamstrings wet. Same thing with my Olympic weightlifter. It's the very same thing. Um, you know, for the hips, walking into bell squat. How'd that do for you? Oh, horrible. <laughs> yeah, horrible, right? See, and where was it? All hips and glute. Yes. Okay, so see, we, we do this by single joint motion. Um, but you know, wide box squats on a high box for heavy weights and on a very low box. Like I would do a lot of them. You know, if you don't have bands, uh, you're going to have to do high box squats where, you know, like if you squat five, I'd have you doing 600, you know, four or five inches above parallel. Why? Just for the massive amount of weight to build up the spinal rectors and, and, and the hips and the glutes. Yeah. But the very low, you talk about mobility, uh, that's going to build it up. Um, belt squats, you know, at, while you're doing cleans at the same time. We do a lot of deadlifts like that. So you want a belt squat and do a, a clean, a power clean, and even push jerk while you got a belt around your waist. Again, you got two accelerations. Your legs are straightening and your back is straightening. Yeah. All right? Um, second, uh, you know, second pole, you work on that, dimble deads. That's where you take a bar with a shoulder width grip, and a little bit wider than the shoulder width, um, I just felt feet are shoulder width and hands slightly wider. You literally drop the bar with an arch back to the knees and reverse it. And we do sets of 20. All right, now this took one, this took my first world record holder in a squat. He had an 820 squat. 
And uh, I went to a meeting, I screwed up, so I did it seven days in a, in a week. Seven days, every day. But I got him to do this, I told him about it. It took his squad from May 20, where it was stuck, to 10-10 in 13 months as a world record. It was held for seven years, years ago. And his buddy, uh, Steve Wilson, this is Matt Dimmel, I call him Dimmel Deadless because of Matt. And he's passed now. And his friend, Steve Wilson, a real powerful guy with, a, with an 810 deadlift, did the very, worked out with Matt in Cleveland, Ohio at the same time. Um, his deadlift went from 810 to 865 to 265. And Steve's deadlift went up because he had a small waist. Matt's squat went up because he had a large waist. But these demo deadlifts is all glute and, and uh, all glute and hamstring. Yeah. And the back's arch, it's not that much stress on the back, but the glutes and the hands, tremendous hip extension. Yeah. Just to go back a chapter. Yeah. Um, I, I can't comment for USA, but um, it, I feel that's greatly unappreciated in Australia is the, the single joint motion. You know, in Australia, most of the programming for Olympic weightlifting seems to be, you know, a squat variation, or sorry, a main lift, you know, whether that be clean or snatch, squat variation, press variation, maybe a pull variation. Um, what would you suggest people start with on, you know, if, if you had to sort of narrow that down to, to add into their program for a single joint exercise? Single joint, like I just mentioned them. Yeah, but like if you had to sort of know, like for people who don't have the, the well, I, that's one thing I want to bring up, and I, I you know, Tom, <laughs> Olympic lifters don't have. I hear we don't have a glute hand, we don't have an inverse curl, we don't have a reverse hyper, we don't have a belt squat, and you know what else they ain't got? They ain't got any lifts. Why do we have? You think people donate this stuff to me? Tom, did they donate this or something? Mm -hmm. Do I actually have to pay for this stuff? A lot more than Rose pays. That's right. My, my first inverse curl cost me $16,000. 16000 My My bent pencil reverse hybrid, to put the bent pencil on, took me three years and $15,500. You've got to have these essential exercises. I can show you books from the 1970s. Russia's got bell squat machines. In, in one of the, the yearbooks, they got a combinating resistance machine. Um, of course, they pulled sleds. I never seen Olympic lifter. Any of your buddies pull sleds for Olympic lifting? No, no, of course not. I mean, that's what you. They have no base. I've always talked about this. A pyramid, mathematically, is only as tall as its base. You know, why base? You have a tall pyramid. You got to build a base. See, that's what you lack right now, right? And you're like, and you talk to some like big, strong guys. What do they say when they first came here? No base. Yeah. Now I've had enormously strong, twenty-five hundred pound total, two twenty. Like I said. Couldn't get through the squat workout with my guys. Geez, this is some Tom, we get 15 weeks a year to do outside of going to meets, right? Mm -hmm. It's a joke for these guys. And I told people for money, for money, they could do a, they could do a, a, you know, 25 squats, they could do 100 squats. Mm -hmm. They could do 20 sets of five. It'd be a joke for these guys. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll put my money on them. I mean, that's going on a limb. But I bet, I bet I could give you two or three guys and easily could do 25 sets of, uh, 20 sets of five easy and then still do their debts. You know, I and, think, and you were dying from that workout. Yeah, I think that's something that you know people don't appreciate. You know, they see, they think of Westside barbell and think, you know, your traditional powerlifting. You know, um, there's you nothing know. traditional and, about Westside barbell. <laughs> you know, um, you you just until you're here, you don't realize how how in shape some of these big guys are, and, and just the intensity of the speed days and the the lack of of rest between sets. And, like you, you understand that all the methodologies. What side uses that I came up with since the beginning of 1982 is from the Soviet Union weightlifting and Bulgarian weightlifting. Mm. Yeah, it's it's not the powerlifting. I learned everything from the from weightlifting journals. 
I applied it to my sport. I tried to track and field. We applied to every sport in the world. We taught me to use this with the fighters. But Olympic lifters have asked me many times, will the conjugate system work for me? It came from Olympic weightlifting in 1972 at the Dynamo Club. And a lot of people I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. The Dynamo Club not only had, uh, you know, it was also tracking, it was 45 sports. A lot of people think because of people like us, they locked their got their brain in Dynamo Club as weightlifters. There's 45 sports in that place. They all use the conjugate system. You, know, you have to rotate exercise. Olympic lifting, I, I mean, you asked a question, you had a question to me earlier about accommodating resistance. Well, weightlifters do the same program over and over and over, and that's why they fail. One, to adapt to training is never to adapt. Once you adapt to what you're doing, you're going to get no better at it. It's like reading a book, and you get to, if you only read one book in your life, you don't need, your intelligence would be very limited. you got to constantly read books and more, and, and you know, more higher level books. If you want to get smarter, smarter. Yeah. Well, just just on that uh, with the um, what's it, the quantity of exercises, you see the the Chinese. You know, if you watch any YouTube and stuff, they do uh, very unorthodox, I suppose, exercises. You know, um, seated seated good mornings with their legs. You know, flat uh-huh. on the floor, things like that. See, yeah. it sounds unorthodox. It's not to them, is it? No. And and the Russians do unorthodox things, right? It's not unorthodox to them, is it? It's hard to argue with the best in the world. Isn't what it? we do all this stuff is not on our. It's the rest of the country that doesn't want to do anything, and that's why they lack the, the lifts. Mm. You know, it's it's these special exercises that's going to bring up all your lifts. Like I said, when they come here, I see I've got to build a squad on Olympic weightlifters. That's the first and main thing. We've already talked about some of these huge squats. These guys, you know, they don't have a huge squat for nothing. Uh, I mean, Tom, a fighter's not going to develop something. He's never going to freaking use in a fight. That'd be the dumbest thing in the world. It's worthless. So he develops what it takes to be in a fight. And um, why these Olympic lifters got these big squats? Because you need him for weightlifting. You know, you just got to have it. And I mean, it's a funny thing. Um, uh, weightlifters don't know anything about us or our sport. And like you thought for sure, we carried a bar low on our back. We carried a bar right up on our traps. Don't think about everybody else, you know. And so, but. Um, I've got a a question came in from uh, TJ, which I think ties in pretty good on volume. He um, said, so we understand volume is important, but in what? It seems to me that a lot of athletes tend to do volume and what they're good at and do volume and what's not important. So how do you choose the correct exercises? Is it based off weaknesses? Yeah, that's why I brought up all the single joint exercise we're talking about. I mean, like... Um, I, I found out right away his, well, my, my weightlifter when he came here, and he could not do an archback good morning with 220 pounds. And, you know, he was terrible in the inverse curl. I mean, he, he was absolutely terrible. So I had to bring up his hamstrings and low back, like I said. But, Tom, you've seen it yourself. I know you don't pay that much attention sometimes with the guys, but they all got the same freaking problem. Am I right? Mm-hmm. We had a guy come in. I don't recall his name. You would. But he had a 400 clean. And I told him, I says, I'll break your clean record in a half hour. I said, but all these people come here and they can't stand up for the clean. Huh. Half hour, this boy, he smokes a 415 clean and got stuck in the bottom. And he goes, Louie, you must, and walked over and said, you must be a mind reader. I'm going, what are you talking about? He goes, you said that it's exactly what happened. I've seen it, I've seen it 25 times at least. So I know they got to, they got to build a squat. It doesn't matter what you clean if you can't stand up at the weight. So it's volume. And remember what I said, my volume is based on Perlipin's charts. Their, your volumes are based off the same thing. Why? Because you cannot overtrain or undertrain. If you got a 300 clean, uh, these weights are the same, dude. It's just it's not nothing with the squat. If you got a 300 clean, 
you're going to train at 75, 80, and 85%. Got a 400 clean, 75, 80, and 85%. You follow those lifts in there, uh, three to six reps at uh, 70%, two to four 80s, and one to two 90s. I prefer all singles, but I don't like 90s. Here's another reason Olympic weightlifters fail in America. They never max out. I'm, I'm glad you brought the, the max out up. On, on your max effort day, um, how would you rotate the exercises between the, uh, the competition lifts and you know the, the strength building lifts, the squats, the, the pulls? How would, would you do that on different days? Can, can, can I grab a book real quick, Tom? You can do whatever you want, buddy. Everybody's expert on Bulgarian training, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> If you look at, this is one of the greatest weightlifters. He, he, he triple clean jerked uh, body weight when he's 16 years old. Now, you want to look at this to verify what I'm looking at. Uh, reputations, the classical lifts, 9-100% assistant exercises. Now, all right, on Monday he did 35 uh, classical and 23 assisted, you know, meaning pulls. The second day, 26 assisted, zero classical lifts. Then it was 35, 23 ratio, 35 classical, 23. Then it was 26 special, zero. So this is kind of throws a, a wrench in the thinking that all they did was clean jerk and snatch, right? Yeah, very much. Yeah, and over here, if you look here, the same thing. Classical lifts, you know, and his intensity, his intensity, 87%, 85, 87, 85, 87, 85. What's our, this kind of sound familiar? Yeah. Uh-huh, exactly, because it's freaking math and it's acceleration, the rate of acceleration. Um, 50 uh, classical lifts, 22 assistant. The next day, 29 assistant, 14 classical. Then it was 50 classical, 22. As he got better and better, Bulgarian just did a lot of classical lifts. But you see, 29 special, only 14 uh, classical. Then 22, 50, 29, 14. This is on that side. You, you literally just said it as in as he got better and better he went more specific so are you saying for a beginner you would just, just Nam Suleiman do you know how tall Nam Suleiman was at uh, one third he was four, four. foot tall <laughs> he was a model athlete mm. you are about as far you're not even a model let alone a model <laughs> weightlifter okay you're uglier than hell <laughs> uh, I mean that's the Tommy Every weight that comes in, they're six inches too tall for the sport. I'm sorry, guys. You know, I love, I'm five foot five. I'm not in the NBA. I let that, I leave that to LeBron. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 that's one of the problems. They're not model athletes. You've got to, I mean, um, it's just, I, I'm writing a, a book on training from children from seven to 10. And uh, I, I was a real good baseball player. And, um, and when I was a little, I, play, I played one league. And it's right down the street, a mile away. I, it is basically made me, I think, what I am, a little bit of what I am today. But I only played one year, uh, but I, was, I had 17 home runs. I, I led the entire Columbus in home runs, all right, as a low leaguer. And I, 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 um, I hit, um, right down the street, there's a, 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 there's a fence down there. Ball, ball down, got a fence. I'd hit a home run, had to run around the base, and beat, you know, because there was no fence. Well, I hit one over the fence down here. I got to play a nice stadium back then. And I got to trot around the base, and I heard people yell for me. And I realized that made me different than everybody else. That mental, you mentally, you got to have a mental. And I, two weightlifters are too docile. You got to get some crazy ass weightlifters if you want to succeed. But now my story is, uh, I also played for a team. I had terrible grades. I was kicked out of school a dozen times. 
Uh, but I showed up for a farm club for the Pittsburgh Pirates when I was 15. You had to be out of school. You had to be uh, over, over, over 17, out of school. I started at 15. I played 15, 16, 17. I batted third, and I played right field. That's a power position. you got to have a strong arm, and I batted third. You had a strong bat. Then I got drafted, and I got to thinking, I'm 5'5". Five five. Even in 1966, I'm way too small to be a, a professional baseball player. You know, they're way bigger now, Tom, and, you know, six foot was a big kid back then. But I realized I will never be that. But I, I need to be in something where weights, and there was no fighting or anything. There was no organized fighting around. So I go, I'm, I need to be, I, and what, I became a model athlete for my sport. I chose the right sport. And that's what this, my book is about, rule three. You, your coach, the child, the coach, and the parents have to, you know, choose the sport for the child. And with the, you know, the kid leading the way, kind of. But, you know, that's just it. Uh, these poor kids, they need more recruiting. I talk about it in my book. But I just wanted to bring up the fact about the list. And Dr. Medvedev, Tom, how many, uh, how many workouts does Dr. Medvedev have in super training in 100? Yeah. 100. 100. Not three. <laughs> you got to have all the, remember what I said about the rock? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I've always said if I put a million dollars under a rock in a parking lot and you went outside and you could have it and you went and picked up a rock that wasn't there, you'd pick up every rock in the parking lot. And and exercises. Um, we've got exercise. Tom, I want you to talk about, uh, or have we already talked about the, the, the wheel, the belt wheel? Mm-hmm. Tell, them about, tell them what this could possibly do because how you respond to exercise. I guess it's case-by-case case basis, but if you take Anthony and myself, we've got two polar opposites in terms of endurance, and that, but that, um, that belt barrel that we've been using, it, um, normally my, my glutes don't fire at all, but on my return trip from 60 yards, they're firing so much that it's very hard for me to complete probably about a 180 yards trip when I can usually go 400 yards nonstop, and Anthony is the same. So it just goes at, um, again, it's a case-by-case basis, but you got to find that one thing that helps you to get better. And it doesn't, there's no cookie-cutter exercise for everybody. you got to go in and feel your, whatever your weakness is. But that machine right there is definitely going to be a game-changer because if it works, it's working for me, and it's working for somebody who's got, um, Anthony's pretty explosive, but he felt it in different parts. So, again, it's choosing the right exercises for um, your weakness. Mm-hmm. But it's that one exercise, right? Mm-hmm. So if you just go in and do the same program two or three times a week, what is the chance that that's actually the right? And everyone, all weightlifters seem to want to do the same. But see, you don't do any max effort work. Your body responds to demands placed upon it. Your muscles respond to that demand. Okay? So if you don't ever lift a max, how are you going to do it? And now let's go back to Primlin's chart. Primlin talked about, Perlipin talked about, you know, doing a... You know, um, you know, 20 lifts at 80, at 80 uh, you know, like 15 be optimal. Okay, so you said, well, how did they do, how did they do, um, you know, 12, 1400 lifts in a year? In fact, you know, how, it would never add up. Spatial exercise. You've got to do the poles. High poles, snatch grip poles, all these poles, no spatial squats. And do you know why? Because a spatial exercise has no ill effect on technique, timing, or, um, um, technique, timing, or, um, coordination. Coordination, thank you. But see, if you go do Olympic lifts all the time, you get fatigued. What happened? Your form breaks. Yeah. And you get bad habits. So you don't do that. You keep the Olympic lifts small and the spatial exercises large, the amounts. And that's how you succeed. And again, if you look, you know, and remember I told you about uh, Zazatinsky raising intensity? Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- what do we do? We try to work out more and more and more. I mean, that's why it's hard on people because you're burning a candle at both ends. Let's face it. 
You know, I, I got to have guys that have a tremendous amount of work capacity. But but the GPP, we built up this amazing amount of work capacity. But if you look at Nam when he started in 1980, his uh, you know his intensity was 79, 73, 79, 73, 79, 73, 77. 1981, 87, 85, 87, 85, 87, 85. All right. See, he raised his intensities zones. In in 82, he had gone up. If you look at um, all, all this, he was doing, I mean, most of the time he's breaking records constantly in his workouts. 106, 106, 110, 112, 113, 118, 106. Yeah. So you see, you constantly, you constantly try to raise the, your one rep, your ability to lift the heaviest one rep max all the time. Oh, repeatedly. And, and how do we do that to avoid accommodation? Each week we switch to spatial exercise. But we only do one. We're going to do a rack pole. We're going to do a box pole. We're going to use 220 pound band, 280, and a rack, 250, 350. Um, uh, we are going to low box squat, a safety squat bar. We've got an enormous amount of bars. We switch bars all the time. Um, so, but we constantly switch, you see. That way, we change the amount of weight. I like to do a very hard exercise. Like I squatted 920, it was the second best in the world. Only Eddie Cohn out squatted me. But I did that off of 555, low box safety squat bar with no gear. So I, I did 535 and did nine. Next week I did 555 and did 920, and they were pretty easy squats. And I, so I used it very lightweight. Now the next workout might be an enormous amount of band where it's like 1,100 pounds at the top. But the key is they both took the same time. Yeah. Because strength's measured in time, it's measured in velocities. You make a very good point. But one thing to note is to choose exercises that carry over. It's not to choose exercises that you're good at or that you keep doing. It's to actually have correlations between your non-classical lifts into your classical lifts. There's no point doing something if you don't know if it carries over or not. The renowned shot put coach Bonnachuk writes, writes books. It's called Transfer of Exercise. That's exactly what he talks about. Now, my friend Sikari, one of the smartest guys I know from Finland, He's, he basically said in layman's term, it does no good to be strong in the wrong exercise. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you see, that's why, see, I can see that a lot of Olympic weightlifters don't do enough pulls. When he came, uh, when they come here, it takes them about three weeks and they get the idea of dumpty time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I haven't got a guy yet to come here and say, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. They go, this is how you do it. And um, you asked me also about isometrics. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Isometrics have tremendous value. And uh, my friend Jimmy Benjamin, he, uh, you know, he's a 132. And I, when Chris was here, uh, you know, did this, he interned for a long time, made tremendous progress, Olympic weightlifting, right, Tom? I mean, for a guy that's not built, got very strong. 630 uh, snatch grip deadlift with the plates four inches off the ground. That's no joke. And so, and he went from like 500 up to that. But his list went tremendously up. But he said he put 35 pounds on the front of his snatch. And he, he did isometric holds up at the, at the explosive part, and he held it for three seconds. And as, as that got up, 30, he went up 35 pounds, the guy snatched one of 35 pounds. Now, my friend Jimmy Benjamin uh, was a three-time national champion and all this, you know, Pan American Games, lifted everywhere in the world. He, he did a lot. I, I, we asked him right here, what, what made him, what was the best? He said isometric holds and heavy box squats. He box squatted 670 pounds. We walked him out, too. We haven't bombed him. This is in the 70s. I mean, this is a jacked up little dude, but that's saying something, man. 670 pound, you know, um, about that high above parallel. We got him out wide. He says there's two best things he did. Why do you need isometrics? You know, when the second pole bars moved in over two meters per second for a lot of people. How's the coach you? How's the coach coach you? It's very hard. How much work you get there? Very little. It's too quick, right? 
But you can hold the position like after three seconds. If you did eight holds, you're doing 24 seconds at a crucial part of the lift. Even in the very beginning. Um, Tom has worked for track, it's, it's worked for my track people, it's worked for our lifters. It really helped Wesley's squad, I think, more than the deadlift. But you pull on a bar, did you see me working with, with the girl in the chair deadlift? Yeah. You see what I was doing? Getting her in position, locks up her hips and her hip flexors. Okay. So you, you get in proper position and you're using full muscular contraction in proper positions instead of improper positions. Yeah. And it's actually a true maximal exercise oh, because... that's how you test maximal strength. strength. Because when you lift up a weight, you're lifting it up, but a true max is when you're pulling it all out and now it doesn't move. Right. And that yeah, word, they don't test your strength on how much you can lift and how much you pull on a static bar. And that, that word you just said, positional, that, that is so important to Olympic weightlifting because like I said, back home, there's, there's so much failure because... Like I said, that that right at the knee, they're just not in that good position. They're not in control of the bar. They're not the weight they, back. It's just yeah, lack and, of strength. Then when they when the weights get heavy, they either can't pull fast enough or they get panicked and pull it too fast, which distorts the second pull. That's right. It's heavy off the floor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So see, you have to. That's why the first pull is about one point two meters. Hmm. I had two lifters here. Uh, they only tested them up to four ninety five. They pull four ninety five and one point two meters per second. These are Olympic, these are power lifters. But they all also both pull up an arch, pretty arch back. So that's why. Yeah. Um, and um, matter of fact, the one was six foot tall and he could jump up and touch 11 six. That's a foot and a half above a basketball rim. He had no athletic ability, yeah. but he was super powerful. He jumped on the 36 inch box with 70 pound dumbbells for five sets of box. Speaking of jumping, um, how important is jumping to overall strength and power? That's what, jumping, it is by defined is explosive power. It, it's the quickest and quickest increase in strength in the shortest possible time. That's what the definition of explosive power. Olympic lifters have to jump. You know, a lot of the greatest jumpers there are are Olympic weightlifters. If you want to talk about pure power to jump on a box or something, and because also the jumps build the, the jerk. When you drop down, it builds an optimization phase for the jerk. You have to do these jumps. Mm. You, you see Chinese doing a lot of jumps. Yeah. They jump. They jump wide onto a box, and they jump close up into two, and um, I mean they got jumps. Uh, you saw me Chinese kids. They're jumping like as tall as they are at all. Mm -hmm. I mean it's retarded. You got to jump. Um, all my athletes jump. My lifters are too lazy. They don't know they don't jump. So if you had an Olympic lift to come through your doors, how, what would you program with their jumping? Yeah, they're forty jumps twice a week, and almost all of it's resistance. Yeah. Either barbell on their back, kettlebells or dumbbells in their hands. Weight vests, ankle weights, um, a combination of all three. Yeah. And that way, every time I jump, I get a record. I know you're doing it with the fighters, right? Mm -hmm. And their jumps are gone what? Straight oh, up. A big thing that we've noticed, and it's because a lot of them are extroverted, they need constant stimulus, but we we do one sort of, one form of resisted jumping from a box or standing with ankle weights and that, and then we do a lot of jumps kneeling, from kneeling to the feet, kneeling to the, and that is having humongous, and we started doing jumps in the ATP, in the leg training platform, like you suggested, they're not jumping very high because they're coming against a lot of resistance. But the recruitment, we did a contrast, like you said, we did a contrast, they jumped from that, they did 20 jumps, then they worked up, everyone broke their box squat, or bar the box Cross, jump. Cross -train training is very mm -hmm. good. He was in that belt squat, you mentioned jumping up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, um, do you do any jumping, like broad jumps, jumping forward? Uh, fighters and athletes should, yeah. yeah. We don't. A lot of the time when we get them in, they're tremendously good at jumping forward. 
like a lot for closing distance because yeah they're used to it it's jumping up is the problem so as soon as that as soon as they start actually jumping up they start jumping further outwards we were kind of amazed at how bad they were jumping up I, I was amazed. And I they're, think it, they're quick, you know, but you and can jump up. Amoration phase is usually pretty poor at the start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, Tom mentioned ankle weights. When I trained the ball players, I always, when I ever I trained anyone, I asked them what worked. Yeah. I don't give them a. I said what is working and what's not. But they all, everyone always said to get the highest vertical, you know, for the NFL, it was when they took the ankle weights off. That's where they got the highest vertical. I took one guy from thirty-eight to forty-four. It's the same body weight. At two different camps, 38 to 44. Yeah, with, with your 40 jumps, is that in sets or is that singles with short well, rests? I personally, if you could jump on a 42, it's just as a rule, um, you know, if you're going to use a 42 that day uh, to jump on, I like to do 30 for five, 36 for five, and then 30 at 42. Yeah. That's how I like to do it. And uh, you got know, to get some going. And some people are just got some fear of jumping. So you got to get them up a little bit, you know. But then about, I don't know what you're doing, Tom. But I would always about every third, about every third week, just like our waves, we would try a new box record, and normally most people would put that average about one and a half to three and a half inches. Yeah. I had an eighteen-year-old girl jump on a fifty-five. If she'd have stayed here, I could have got Shalon jump on the sixty, but she went to Columbia, real smart, and went to Columbia. We have a fourteen-year-old jumped on a fifty-eight. Oh, jeez, see that? Yeah. That's one big thing is, it's speed, strength. You got to be very explosive, and that's why jumps are so important. They go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah, the strength goes to jumps, and the jumps go to strength. Yeah. Uh, Harold wrote in a very good question. Um, for his speed days, he's trying to rotate in different exercises, and he's rotated in bent over rows for speed. Is that okay to do, or is it better as an accessory? Accessory. Okay. That's right. Do bent over rows. I have a friend who's an international Greco wrestler and traveled the world. He met David Rigger years ago. And, and so David came to America and he stayed in California with him. And I, so I, of course I said, well, what did he do? He said he did a lot of weighted chins, a lot of bent over rows. So Tommy Kono, Tommy Kono just passed one of the greatest weightlifters America ever had from Hawaii. Tommy Kono did a lot of bent over rows. Mm. You, you, you just mentioned the Chinese using 25 pound plate for rear delt work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just we, we, we have high level fighters come here, Carlos and Dorian, you know, and even Adam and wrestling, and they will make you look stupid. They will make you look stupid. And you're, but you've done this all their life, you know. If you just, and, and you don't understand, like Tommy, you would say, well, what in the hell did, you remember Carlos is helping, I think Matt, right. Matt Brown kick your ass in, why aren't you helping me? Um, but they can make the simplest thing, you go, why didn't I think of that? Because they've done it all their life. And we've done this all their life. If you read these Russian manuals that we sell, it's going to tell you how to train. Don't go read a book. Read it a hundred freaking times. I read these books hundreds of times, and I got a lot of books. <laughs> but isn't the true art of coaching and being professional in general is making the complicated things simple? That's right. Not making the simple things complicated. Actually, I don't have a single patent, and I have eleven, and they're all simple. But no one thought of them, and they all work. Yeah. Um, just following on from that question, there, um, would you? on speed days, rotating cleans and snatches, etc., with bands over the bar, and if so, uh, what would the sets and rep scheme look like? Well, now that you're not paying attention, I can <laughs> see this, that you have to go by curl up and start. Yeah. And I, and I found out right away, I've never had a way that you could do the freaking program that we do every day. So I would do it, I would use optimal. 
Um, yeah. I had the lifter here. He did 15. He did uh, uh, five triples in the clean and five triples in the snatch after he squatted. And this is a and ma matter of fact, we had to switch. We had to do the cleans first, then squat. He could not do that. That means his work capacity is very low. This is what we see. I mean, I'm just saying, and I'm, I'll never criticize anyone. I can't do this lifts. They have work, Olympic lifters have zero work capacity. That is our whole problem. And you, I mean, you went in there and you were dying. And that's the simplest workout. You saw the two, the skinny ass guy that trained with you. He squats over 600. He's skinny as a rail. He has, you know. I mean, he, you know, he's not one of my guys. You know, he's not one of my real guys in there. And but he destroyed you. Mm. <laughs> And you saw the girl doing also on hamstring work. You 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 died on reverse hypers. But I'm I'm just saying. See, oh, I'm yeah. just, see, I this is what I do. I'm seeing this. So if you were here for three months, I'm gonna pound your ass, dude. You're gonna be out there tonight. You'll be out there with that sled or that walking machine because that thing's obviously no joke. Because I haven't heard one person get on there they didn't kill. One thing to note is what happens. A lot of people is they start freaking out when you're doing all this volume and you start going backwards and it's because you're not used to this training but they don't give it enough time to actually to where you actually start not a company start getting the benefits from the training and then your gpp goes up once your gpp goes up you become at a level and it happens to a lot of people but you need about three weeks i think that's what we say but if you give it three weeks and you're a top athlete you're gonna have to see a huge difference but if you start for seven days and you start bitching out, I'm too tired, this is too much of me. Well, you got to push boundaries. Uh, we're, we're all organisms. And it's, it's A definition of an organism is to adapt to an environment as placed upon. So if you don't place stressors or place yourself in an environment to grow, well, then you're going to be what you are. It's average. And as Rick Scarpola says, average is shit. It's the same as the doors. How do you build a yeah. door? You must work through fatigue. All mm -hmm. right, so if you want to become strong, you must work through the soreness and so forth. And like Tom said, it, when you can get where you come back at night and do a second workout, Going, you're on your road to success. No one can just train two and three times or four times a week. You're going to have to train eight times a week. Yeah. You know, I would bring you in tonight and you do more hamstrings. That's what I did with the kid. Yeah. One thing I noticed about some of the lifters or some of the athletes here in general, they they get as much quality work done in an hour, and then they're out the door. But then they come back in and they do three, two or three other small quality workouts. They don't try all get it done in one, two or three hour session. They spread it out, and this has huge gains. I think that's what a lot of people screw up on. Well, if you read what the Russians said, they believe it's better to do several small workouts than one big. The Bulgarians worked out for 40 minutes, 45 minutes at a time. Mm. They claim serum testosterone dropped drastically. It made a lot of sense. But, Tom, you ever notice it, we train a lot like that because, I mean, I used to, I actually trained really fast. I would squat and run over and do all my deadlifts and then help them out. Mm -hmm. But, it, but if, you, if you squat, let me get this right. I got to help you, and you do your squats. You do your 20-plus squats. Then you run a monolith for me, and then you go deadlift. You, know, you, you took 15, 20-minute rest, and now you do your deadlift. <laughs> Everything is replenished, and you, and you yeah. can just... I've never found out what we could do, but I'm telling you, I, I'll bet my, I could take Simon Joe, and he could do a 20 sets of five in his sleep. And if he could do it, all these guys could, most of my guys could do it. Uh -oh. So their work capacity is on it, but you got to train optimally. Remember that word, optimally. Yeah. Uh -oh. I'm no expert, I don't have a university degree, and that seems to be the general sort of um, idea is, you know, for anything explosive, max strength, that sort of thing, you have to be maximum rested, you know, these five-minute rest breaks. Well, like hey, that. if I go out there and wrestle somebody, I mean, I always said I'll fight anybody if I get to fight for 30 seconds rest for three minutes. 
But, see, but that's the. But if, but if I had to fight for three minutes and rest a minute, I'd be up and I'd be out and around. But that thing about um, like risk of arresting on between sets arrest. If you go into a bar and you get in a bar fight, you're not going to ask him, "Hey, wait one second, I'm going to warm up. Give me another two minutes." And then it doesn't work like that. And it's a common question we get: Well, what's the rest period? Well, if we're in groups of two, whenever Lou's done, I'm going. Or in a group of three, and that's the way it goes. You you can't you can't get in a groove. If you get in a groove, you're going to get set into it, yeah. and then life gets outside a groove and you get injured. Whenever you train endurance or power, you must change the rest intervals anyhow. Mm-hmm. You only use the same rest intervals. Any sport, you you know the defense is dictated by the offense. Mm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now, for instance, years ago, uh, I, I can't remember. I think I had a couple set of chain, but me and this Joe McCoy was a phenomenal athlete. We were going to show up for the Pittsburgh Steelers and some uh, Pitt University guys. So we were going to go back to back with 435. Well, Joe gets cramps. On the fourth set, he gets cramps. So I told Chuck Bogle to call me. So he called me. I never got it. I just held on to the bar. I did 12, 12 doubles. We were doing doubles back in set fives. And I have nowhere, and I went outside. And, and uh, I mean, I'm ready to die. I mean, I'm ready to. Remember that one day when I was sick? Yeah. And I thought I was going to call the ambulance. I was like that, Tom. And I said, so check this. Lou, you got to go. You got to slow down. I go, well, how fast are you going? Every 20 seconds. 12 doubles every 20 seconds. All right. So how did I do that? And then I asked Dr. Romanoff, you know, of opposed, uh, you know, uh, method training. And, and I, because my squats were, my number one was, my last one's explosive was the first. And I'm going, I would go <gasps> on the way down just to get any air in my body. Take a bar <gasps> on the way down because I couldn't take a breath with the bar on my back. I mean, I had to do it on the way down. And Romanov said, you only need oxygen to recover. Hmm. So these rest periods, it all depends on your level of physical preparedness. Yours isn't that great. Aye. See, I mean, I, I'm telling you, honestly, if you spent three months here, you would, you would be laughing at yourself what you did today. Hmm. You... And a big thing is too, and he said it to me when I first got in here. You're gonna if you're in here for a three month period, and the first two weeks you're like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Because they'll go max out. You might have three different groups maxing out. Then as soon as they max out, they're they spider they go all to different places. You're like, well, why is he there? Why is that person there? Why is that? Well, because they're all working on their weaknesses, and you're like, this makes no sense. It's like a fucking roller coaster. But then. It's it's basically organized chaos. That's what it is. Um, but they put a system in because your weaknesses are different to mine and vice versa. So we got to target them. I can't just... Fo- now, for some people, they can. They can follow because a lot of the weaknesses are the same for people. But you got to find out how to train yourself. Yeah. That's why it takes a lot of people here 12 months. And how tall are you? Oh, six foot. And, and you weigh 200? Yeah. And I mean, I'm old and gone, but I'm five foot five and I weigh 200. Yeah. But if I'm, if I'm six inches, seven inches shorter than you, how could we possibly use the same muscles when we, when we don't? Mm. See, you're in a terrible disadvantage. Yeah. So I'd actually, your muscles actually, t- is lift the same weight as mine, mine. You would have to be stronger, your muscles have to be stronger than mine. Mm. Stronger, because you got, my, I got better leverage. Yeah, that's right. But see, that's why the, people talk about the Bulgarians, please shut up about the Bulgarians. They were all model athletes, almost all of them came from the very same region. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing. Mm. Lou, am I correct in saying that the in the Soviet manuals they actually had measurements for limb lengths, body lengths, body types for what weight classes? Mm-hmm. What, how come? What do you hear every fight time? What do you hear? Reach. Tell the tape. Yeah. Yeah. You if you got a, sh- a fighter, you know it's normally most people their arm length is the same as they are tall. Like Chuck was four inches mm-hmm. longer. I'm exactly the same. 
So who'd be a better fighter, Chuck? Mm -hmm. You got the worst on ours than I did. So see, that's, but you know, see, that's why I could outbend Chuck, but Chuck could out deadlift. Mm. <laughs> well, they, they say that's a big reason behind the Chinese success is like, just naturally they're, they're shorter, shorter famous. That's right. Better, better leverage. Yeah. yeah. And sadly, a lot of people pick that one athlete who's the exception to every rule. Yeah. And they're like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Mm. Well, why is there only one or two people like that? Yeah. That, that's where, that's where a lot of people fall in that trap. It falls in powerlifting too. If I think Bobby Paul's in all sports, yeah. you get this one freak and everybody tries to do it, but he's never made another person's starter. Eddie Cohen is possibly, I mean, I'm guessing probably the strongest person I've ever seen in my life. If you took a muscle eye bi biopsy, I believe he'd be the strongest I've ever seen. And I've seen them all. Um, and so years ago, you know, people would say, uh, and he's a good friend of mine. And I, I mean, this guy's a freak. I, mean, I can't see nothing about it. And But they would go, well, no, but what about Eddie Cohen? Because he trained totally different than us. And, uh, but I'm, I'm taking 18 people to the seniors with six people qualified that had to help because we had to have help. And I go, well, who's Eddie trained with? And they go, we don't know. I said, exactly. Mm. That's right. There's always going to be a freak that pops up every yeah. now and again that it, was going to be good at anything genetically. Yeah, I would have loved to prove it, but Eddie was here one day. And I said, Eddie, I said, if I had an Eddie Cohen, he'd kick your ass by 100 pounds. And Chuck Bogle said, no, he'd kick your ass by 200 pounds. Chuck, Chuck is a strong guy, and he's he, Chuck watched the deadlift 901 at 220. Mm. <laughs> Without a deadlift bar. It's reckless. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So, you know, it's, that's just, I mean, you need a way, I, I believe my claim to fame and the way I train, it makes, there's a million people got strong doing this. Mm. We're just shy of 100 elite powerlifters over the years. I mean, like 85 people squat at least 800. About that many bench over 600. Who's got something like that? No one's got these kind of stats. They got two or three guys, you know, they're lucky. And they're mostly hurt. Got more questions, Tom? Yeah, well, we got. Um one was in from John, uh, which we just answered. He said, Andrew, you said he was too tall for his weight class. How do you know um, that he was too tall? And is there a book with reference to these? Well, I can say this. I was top 10 in the world for, for um, 34 years, from 181 to 275. Uh, now, Wesley, I have a 165-pound world record home squat, right, Tom? Mm -hmm. He's gone up 100 pounds in about a year and two months. He's five foot, I guess he's five foot three. Uh, Jason Coker is right between me and him. He's, you know, he's like five foot four. Jason's a, you know, world record holder in the bench in two weight classes, and he's got the top three or four total in the 181s, 220s, and the 98s. These are how tall an Olympic weightlifter should be if you're in these weight classes. They might be slightly lighter, but not much. And, uh, but you just got to use leverage on your side. I mean, you're not going to, you can lift the weight five feet a lot easier than you can six feet. It just makes sense, right? Yeah, that's right. Because if you look at the definition of what work is and definition of power, you know, but the more powerful person can cover the same distance in a shorter period, period of time. And that, is that not weightlifting? That's right. But that's all sport, because like I said, we can only strain so long. You've only got so much endurance, you can take so much pain, you can hold your breath so long. We're all, we're all governed by something a physical mechanism like that. So you you said you're pretty explosive with me too. I'm not going to struggle for 19 seconds. I've seen guys, but normally those guys aren't that strong. You know they're they're strong and you can't. They're hard to wrestle, but weightlifting they're not going to cut it. You you, you watch big uh, Chris pull 915 like like an empty bar. I mean just 915 like an empty bar. So well, his speed reps. Yeah. Oh, yes, them. Um, Vicky had a question and she asked about. 
the proportion of strength in non-classical lifts compared to the Olympic lifts um, is a very important to have them in excess to your Olympic lifts. Has to be. They normally now they always talked about distortion of form over ten percent, but I don't believe my I this is what I've seen. I think you should be as strong as everything you, that you can be. You should high pull as much as you can. Um, you should pull as much down on the box as you can. You should muscle muscle clean or muscle stats as much as you can. You should squat as much as you can. You should do back raise as much as you can. You know, I've talked to a lot of coaches that call me up and they and they tell me, they admit, or, you know, at least they agree with me, because they say um, what these people lifting, men and women, but their single joint reverse hypers and back raise, they say it's pathetic. They can't, you know, they're relying on um, technique and skill and speed, but when it comes to flat out being able to do heavy back raises, I had an Olympic weightlifter here that had a 363 snatch. And we were the same size. We weighed 231. Um, we did back raises. He did 95 pounds. I did 245 for five. What the hell? Oh, just, just on that question. Um, I've actually got so that, did that answer her question? No. Um, Vicky, <laughs> Vicky, push up those squats, front and back, and make and change your stances. Uh, find out where you're weak, and that, like you said, Tom, find out where. If you, I'll guarantee you're going to go wide, you're going to get really sore, and you're going to be weak. But that's the problem. You build up that wide stance squat, your second pull goes up immediately. Uh, upright, uh, assist upright rows. You're talking about the Chinese. They do two bodybuilding exercises after every workout they do. I don't like the word bodybuilding. You know, but I mean, I like single joint training to build up the triceps or the traps or the low back or the hamstrings or the glutes or the abs. Okay, I'm sorry, go. Um, uh, there was an interview with one of the Russian lifters on All Things Gym, and they, they had a lot of his um, his lifts there. And uh, to answer that question, um, I, I sort of spent a bit of time on my phone um, working the percentages from the back squat to the clean and jerk and things like that. So just to say that this was the the Russian 105. I can't remember his name, but he's the the push jerker. Um, his his back squat was 133 percent of his clean and jerk. Um, his clean and jerk was 126 of his push press. Um, his front squat was 117% of his clean and jerk. Um, and his push press was 146% of his strict. He actually benched as well. His, his push press was 115% of his close grip bench, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't go to failure on bench press. He'd, he'd do five, uh, sorry, sets of five close grip. There's a great book uh, called... Um Weightlifting and Fitness for Life by, by, by Goya. And there's a, there's a uh, it's called a web. And I, I have webs uh, for my powerlifters. But it talked about Olympic, a 242 weightlifter, one, uh, 110 was 110. He, they had to close grip bench for 418. Mm. So, you know, what's a kid who runs around rushing all over America? Um, Cut off. Okay. Go look at every, this guy can do everything. So, uh, a person said, but this guy is that good and he can do all these things. How come I can't? You need to be strong in everything. If you're, Tom works with MMA fighters. You got one that has no stand up. He ain't gonna do too good in a fight. If he can't grapple, if he can't wrestle, he's not gonna do. Too, if he can't submit or get to keep him being submitted, he's not gonna do good. You got to be good at everything. What you suck at will make you a champion. I found this out years ago. In Olympic weightlifting, find out what you suck at because that will make you a champion because you've got so much room to grow in that area. Mm. With that cloak off too, I think so much just comes down to just raw strength. You know, he he was the social media phenomenon. You know, with with his gymnastics. You know, with his it's this hundred and five kilo guy doing muscle ups and stuff. But you know, 
all that aside, you got to remember that that just all comes from so much raw strength. Um, yeah. Um, Travis Max was here. Travis said they, they went out, those those two went out and drank a little bit and they got him pretty drunk. So Travis says, I asked him, I said, uh, how, how often do you work technique? And he he laughed at him. He said, I haven't worked technique since I was a kid. Mm. In the very beginning, you're supposed to learn technique. And at that point, you know, you have to master your technique of any sport. Then you, it, straight, you grow all strength. And that's the problem here. I talk to weightlifters, what do you do on Monday to blah, 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 during the week? And then uh, we work on technique. I go, technique? You should have learned technique in the very beginning. It's it's just it's just um, alarming to me, you know. But it can all be changed. I mean, Bruce Strength overcome a lot. Brock Lesnar was a UFC heavyweight champ, and he, he did on ninety percent strength in wrestling and ten percent fighting ability. I was about to say that we have a number of fighters here who have very good areas and very poor areas, and they're winning surely on brute strength. Like yeah. brute strength is the great equalizer by far. Yeah, they. To me, I keep telling them you've got to learn to fight better. But they're so convinced the strength's getting through because they're winning on strength. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a very technical person. People say, "Oh, you know, he don't like weight because it's technique." No, I love technique. You've got to do, do something right in the beginning, but you got to do it right. See, um, there's two rules. The rule three, uh, which considers they train people from seven to ten. You know, gymnasts and uh, people and ice skaters from four years old. But it's seven to ten. Then you start to train, and you know what that's called? Ten. The rule of ten thousand. Ten thousand hours, they say, and that goes from ten, you know, from eleven to twenty-one. And in nineteen to twenty-one, the overseas they would call you polished. You're gone. I might have mentioned this in our podcast. If I watched the Olympic divers, the females, of course, had these two Chinese chicks, and they were beating everybody. There's also a third Chinese chick there. If anyone noticed, and she was from where? Australia. Why? A booter out at 19 years old because he wasn't polished. Mm. That's the model athletes we're talking about. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying, you know, uh, you, you know, you just can't give up something because you're not built exactly or whatever. But you, but to be, if you're going to do this sport or any sport, do what it takes to be as good as you can do. If you're as good as you can be, that's all that matters in this world anyhow. Just going back on your technique, um, yeah, especially oh. with the white, sorry. Yeah. You're talking about technique. And let's go back to spatial exercise. Spatial, the conjugate consistent use spatial exercise to perfect technique. Hmm. You just can't do the lifts over and over. Your technique goes to hell in a handbag. What happens, Tommy, when he guys, um, a Jason Coker, terrible deadlifter. I mean, he's going to meet point five fifty. And he, who deadlifted more than anybody in our gym? Jason Coker. We said, look, you dumbass, you got to quit deadlifting. What did he pull last meet? 630. Well, you know, his world record on a bench, he can squat the house, he squatted 1035, but he pulled 630. How? He quit freaking deadlifting all the damn time, and he built up the muscles of deadlift. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a word that's so overused, um, technique. And, um, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit here and have an opinion on, you know, I'm talking Olympic-level athletes, cause, but I'm talking your general population, your state-level weightlifters, your local weightlifters. Everyone wants to talk about technique, yet, you know... Again, Lou Jarge on there is so much technique in how he performs that squat jerk. But for the local and state weightlifter, like I said, you know, the, the common, common mistakes are just purely because of strength. Right. Exactly. But, you know, it is nothing else. It's, it's not that, you know. Where does your Olympic, where does your uh, world and Olympic champions come from? State and local lifters. Hmm. You need a big pool of them, then you pick them from there, you know, where you, you, you select it yourself. Yeah. Exactly. You know, now you talk about technique, and I've always said, well, load up the bar, 
20Ks on a world record and show me your technique. No, no one's got technique. Yeah. My guy's got technique of world record weight, so you got to get by because they're strong enough to lift world records. And you're absolutely right. you got to build your strength base. Yeah, and especially in your conversation of the, the back being strong, you know, two things you see a lot of, like, again, in that local and state competition is like, you know, is that lack of extension, which is, you know, all posterior chain. Right. And then even in the, the bottom of the clean, the front squat, how often do you see, you know, the shoulders round forward and it's missed forward, you know, and people want to just keep stressing that it's a technique, it's a technique. But, you know, yeah. And they squat four or five times a week. See, you, you just said it, see, their legs don't give out, their back gives out. But That's they keep right. training the squat, mm. and it won't work. Like, don't get me wrong, I have definitely seen people, you know, catch it in a, in a perfect, you know, front squat and not be able to get out of it and then obviously that is the legs but mm -hmm. that's the minority that's yeah mm -hmm. very much so in my opinion you brought up a, a point in um, to know your well to be in your sport to, to, to know it and if I ask you a question about powerlifting you can go back to as far back as it's amazing but you can recall everything and it's very important because you know your history a lot of people nowadays don't know the history of their sport because if they did, the books you reference are from the 60s, 70s, 80s. And I think that's one thing. If you're, if you're at least going to have an opinion, at least be an educated opinion, and be based on knowing the history of your sport, it's like if you look at uh, talking to Dorian, talking to Matt, talking to Carlos, talking to Marcus, talk, all these people can go back. They, they, they can go, go back to the ancient Greeks, go back to the rest. They go, Adam, they can go all the way back because they know the history of the sport. I would put a wager on the vast majority of people in weightlifting and other sports, they can only go on what's on social media. They can't go back because they don't want to read a book. But I think to truly excel in your sport, you got to know your history. Well, what's your, do you think that's a vital part? That's a huge part. That's a huge part. See, I've always been fascinated by, by weightlifting. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fight fan. You know, I don't fight, but I'm a huge fight fan. I know, I know more about boxing his uh, history than actually our boxing coach. It, you know, he's always mm -hmm. amazed because I've seen these fights. Mm -hmm. You know, he actually has got around fighting about reading them, but I obviously saw them. And you know, you're right, you got to know the history. And then, like I said, if you, if you, uh, the fundamentals of spatial strength, um, or if you were a, a multi, your training system, I believe it is, or super training, has got Dr. Medvedev, he has 100 weightlifting programs. Surely some of those will work for you. Mm -hmm. You don't do 100, what you do, you pick and choose, like Tom said. You're gonna, you might go through, well, not 100, I guess, but you might go through 30, and then you end up selecting five or six to rotate from. Oh, just do what works, and you're gonna go up. Yeah. I've seen strange things here. I mean, you're always gonna get this weird guy, like Wesley, seems to get real strong with heavy reps. All of our guys get real strong with singles. All right. Kate has a good question. And she said, if you were to choose one book to start off to take a non-believer to a believer, what is that book, um, either from the Soviets or from yours, that you would tell them to read? The Manage the Training of the Weightlifter. And then I would back that up with the Practice and Science of Strength Training. Um, and I'll tell you why, because I started the Soviet training in the very beginning of 1982. And I had no one to tell me if I was on track. We started making all kinds of progress, that's all I knew. But did that mean anything? In 1992, the first edition of Practice Science Strength Training came out. It's a smaller book. And I read it and I go, at least I said, gee, I'm actually on track here. And, and nowadays, Dr. Um, Danny Blankenship took a course at Penn State 
on the practice of science and strength training under Zazazorski. And he asked Doc, he says, what do you think about Louis Simmons? And he said, he must have a 99%. So I would, I would start out with imagine training in the way that is going to tell you everything I tell you. It's got Perlican's chart, that's the main thing. And, and you go like, but why did this goofball come up with the 75, 80, 85% weights? Because that was, that, that was 50% of their training. So it's probably good enough for them. As based on 780 highly skilled weightlifters. Good enough for them, good enough for me. And like Tom, you said it before. People won't read, right? They don't read. But you see, my, my one book on spatial strength training for all sports, it's got seven pages of references. And I just didn't stick them in there. I've read all these books. So I'll do all the reading for you. If you read my book, I break it down, and it's all related in there to where you can find the info. And it, it, but you need to read. I, I think, well, I got a theory, like other people do. But um, the more you read, the more I realize I don't know. So I got to read more. And I think people read something, they're like, I don't know, and they just stop. And then that's it. They want to go on videos. But literally, the more I read, the more I'm... Because when I first came here, I'm like, I, I got this. I, in one month, I said, I got this system. This is easy. And then I was here for three months, and then you'd quiz us on questions. And I'm like, I don't know shit. Um, it, college education degree, it doesn't matter. I don't know I don't know how to coach, first of all. Um, I don't know how to read. And it's, there's reading, and then there's reading. Um, you can read a book all you want, but if you can't relate that book into the gym, then it's pointless. Yeah. And it's, you can't read a book once. You've got to read it twice, three times. How many times have you read The Science of Practice during Training? Well, I mean, Tom, I'm guessing I've picked that book up a thousand times or something. <laughs> and you, that, know, you know, it's just like this book. I read that book, and then I'll get back in it in a month, and I go, well, damn, look at this. Then I'll read it again in three or four months. Gee, I didn't notice that. I mean, I'm not going to say I know everything, but you can ask me. I can I can go through super training and tell you what's in super training. Not people. Not me. I can actually tell you how to take it to the gym and do it. I did a seminar to Mel Sip for super training. Now, Mel's, his intelligence is 20 times mine, but my experience, practical experience, with, with and then with super training, it made me able to, you know, I, I mean, I basically was on his level if you would have known something because he was so far over your head, you, you know. Yeah, you've got to learn those books. And like you said, and I, I probably told you, I said, if you're confused, read the book and then put yourself in a gym. And those two, some things will connect that way. That's how my brain works. You know, that's a good yeah. point. We had uh, someone take our exam and they failed it. And I'm because they're trying to be someone they're not. They're trying to do it from a strength coach's point of view. And I'm like, well, put into your sport. And they happened to do Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. So they thought about their sport, and they got 90%, simply because they put the question into their sport and how they would answer it. And that's a big thing. I think people try to be people that they're not. What do I tell people like sled dragging? I said, put your brain in your sport, you know, and you do a sled that pertains to your sport, and it will work. If you put your brain into my sport, it's not going to work for your sport. Like I, when I would heavy heavy arch back going was my was my squat round over good mornings was my deadlift when I round over good morning I'm thinking deadlift I'm thinking when I did arch back first I'm thinking squat you got to think like that you know you got to have a perception of what you're really doing and it ain't gonna work yeah it's kind of like a game plan in a fight even though sometimes you have to win it quick but some people have no game plan. That's why our, our guys love Zurchers because a Zurcher squat to them is them picking up a person mm-hmm. and throw them down. They like deadlifting against bands, but they put, they're not there. They're not there to powerlift. They're fighting, and even though it's not a person, they're fighting against that bar. Henzo Gracie would put a bar down and then dive into it like a single leg, and they had to do it like that over in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
so that's right. See, it's, that's, how, that's how it works. Actually, that's actually what you said. I think that's a greatly underutilized oh, tool in, oh. in weightlifting because you know you, you picture that that's a that's a bad front squat or a bad clean that you know you might have to get out of. You know, um, not not mine. You you definitely will not catch a clean optimally at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, Swaz. You know, he squat. He lean. He's always lean forward. He gets stuck in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, his best was about four hundred. Well, he did 455 the other day, and he didn't do it. I said, why Why do you think you're not, like, getting on, you know, bent over? He wouldn't rather, he just bent over. He said it's a seat of good morning, drop it over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, for this guy to jump 50 pounds, he's, like, skinny as a rail. That's huge. It, I mean, it is. You know, the kid has squatted after you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see how skinny it is, you know? <laughs> but he bought squatted 455 pounds. He pulled over 500 other, 148. Mm-hmm. I think 515. Yeah. Not bad, you know? We're in here. For now. <laughs> the last one we have, I think, goes into that the importance of stomach uh, stomach strength. That when you're at the bottom, do you think the stomach is very important to leverage off? If your stomach is weak, you're going to round over. Exactly right. You know, when you're born, you're born breathing out of your mother through your belly button. It all starts in the stomach. When you get get lift, what do you do? Time to pick away. That's what starts. Yeah. You have pressure in your stomach before you ever apply pressure to your spinal rectus. People don't decide to go to their back hurt. Mm. We do a lot of abs, and I know you do a lot for the fighters, but I do a lot of, you know, I, I do a lot of rotation mm-hmm. stuff, and but a lot of static, because that's what so static abs. You, can say, you know, you can do 100 crunchers, or you can do five and get cramps, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's static. You know, you can apply static 10% or 100%. Everything but sit-ups. Try to wear yourself out fast. Don't, mm-hmm. you know... Don't like how many contests we've had with people and they go for it, but they suck because they're real good at doing nothing. That's what to me. That's what endurance is. Mm-hmm. Very good at doing very little. That's what makes a person have great endurance. You know. Yeah. It's you and again go until you feel it because people want sets and reps. Yeah. I think the best thing you said is listen to music. You just go by time. You can't go by sets and reps. He, what did you ask me this morning? What was you well, asked no, me? Was the other athlete? He, he come over. Oh and said, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just just train your back until you can't walk. <laughs> I say I don't believe you yeah. being intellectual in the gym. I believe mm. in being emotional and physical. Mm-hmm. I do everything by feel. Mm. And then yeah, on Wednesday I asked you about the um, the inverse curl and yeah, same thing. Just, like in a fight, you know, you start a fight, you might be fighting me, but you at the little bit you go, man, he's open for a left hook. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that for the fight start. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a good great point. But everything is a guideline. It's not a verbatim. It's not. It, it, you have to start somewhere so you have these guidelines and people take this as verbatim this is the law you have to do 12 12 reps of two but it's not it's a, it's a fucking guideline yeah and you, you have to adapt it to, it's like a fight all we do all we do is follow first all, the five classical lists I, I believe you have to follow the amount of lifts that we say and what Perlipin came up with the rest of it you just elaborate on yourself I mean I can do enormous about low back work so I'll be just Enormous amount, even to this day, because it's mm-hmm. all I've got left to do. You know, stuff like I can do enormous amounts. Other people's laying, you know, like Anthony fucking dying. I don't, you know, he's dying right in a second. I'm going, you gotta be kidding me, Anthony. So, yeah, well, that, that's so much of the programming back home for, for both powerlifting and Olympic lifting is, you know, the, the set reps, the periodization. You know, it, it's all, you know, you, you get to accessories and it's four sets of 12 and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nothing's set in stone. It's all about laying lifts, like you talked about a while ago. It's got a lot to do with it, you know. If you got a long back, you better have a whole lot stronger back than I got. Mm. 
But uh, abs, uh, again, the re you can't do too much. Like desertion squat, I think it's one of the best ab things for lifting or any sport that you do. Oh, squatting with the bar and your elbow. Sitting on, a, sitting on the box and taking the bar out over your elbows and dropping down and then picking it back up. That's just that's just tremendous. Walking with heavy med balls, all this stuff. Learn to push that stomach out. You know, a lot of, um, we started putting them back in was the uh, high strokes. By putting them in, doing a lot of that, but then holding your bed, like just flexing your bed. I'm walking on that safety squat bar too. I want to bring up something else. You, you brought that neck machine in the gym. Mm -hmm. I got a very bad neck. I mean, you know how bad my neck is. I started doing a lot of neck, and I do a lot of it. When I do a neck, I also do a shoulder shrug, my trap shrug. My upper back is actually getting way huge, you know, bigger than it was, way farther by doing um, Paul Anderson said the neck was the least worked extra muscle in the body. People should work their neck. I got. I have a picture of Paul swinging 250 pounds around his head with a harness. 215 pounds. And um, so, but you know, guys, that's the top of your spine. That, you know, the atlas, mm -hmm. that's the top, and of course your lumbards or your, your SI's in the bottom. So you gotta train the entire spine. So a lot of people don't have um, strong enough necks, and that there really kills their cleans too. They don't, they have no connection with the neck and the traps, mm -hmm. which connects to the lumbards and let them down. That's all the questions we have here. Got it all? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Sir. Hey, I want, I want to thank everybody. And uh, if you have any questions, just email us. And I'll try to answer them. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of people come here and make instant success. And just when they come here, when you come here, you, it's going to be a lot different than you think. But the Russians had the spatial exercises, and that's what's made my gym over years. I realized I had to build an exercise to make someone better. So, well, thank you very much, and see you next week. This is Westside Barbell with strength and conditioning legend, Louis Simmons. WestsideBarbell.com, the strongest website in the world.